Money Sense is brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group, four-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com and listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. We are located in Pewaukee, just north of I-94 between Highway 164 and Highway F in Ridgeview Corporate Park. And I just want to invite everybody to come in and see our new location. We've got 42 acres of beautiful scenery and trees and walking paths, and we'd love to invite you to come in and just stop in and say hi. We're also in the village of Wipers. Bay. We're in the Equitable Bank building directly across from Winkies. Everyone knows where that is. We also are really happy that we can service our clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. Visit ellenbecker.com for more details and to put a voice with a face. My guest today is a friend and of course I always like to interview my friends with a, a great story, Jennifer Barlotta and many of you know her from all of the wonderful beautiful restaurants within Milwaukee. And quite frankly, that's how I've always known her. And, you know, I'm thinking about all the great things that she does, and there's kisses of Bartolotta all over our city, not only with restaurants, all the things that she and her husband Joe did around the community for schools. And I was reconnected with Jennifer just recently on a program that I'm doing and trying to initiate in the school system. And talking to her, she started to explain to me this whole new world that she had developed and gotten excited in. And of course, if you've been listening to me recently, you know that I've been talking a lot about what do we do when we leave behind our career? What do we do when we, in a sense, reinvent ourselves to still have that compassion and passion that we felt all along? And Jennifer has done it. And so welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. So... How did you go from, I see the pictures in my mind all the time of the white apron and all the work that you did within the restaurant business, but also within the community with food and kids. How did you make that shift and why did you make the shift? You know, it's interesting. Um, the, the short story is I suffered three really large traumas in a period of 10 months. Uh, the first was Joe's death. And that's not something that I could control. Interestingly, I've learned that the next two I suffered were absolutely within my control had I had awareness. So the first was Joe's death, which triggered my departure from the company. And that was not formalized for 10 months. So 10 months after Joe died, then it became the formalization of my departure from the Bartolotta restaurants. And I had made the rookie mistake and the epic mistake of attaching my identity, my sense of self to something outside of myself. So I was Joe's wife and we worked very closely together over 20 years to build and grow the Bartolotta restaurants along with countless others, of course. Um, and I became the face of the company from a philanthropic standpoint in the community. And so a lot of people recognized me as doing that thing in our community. Well, when you attach yourself to something that's outside of yourself, inevitably that thing's gonna go away, that all good things come to an end. 
And when it did, I didn't know who I was. Who was I if I wasn't Joe's wife? Who was I if I wasn't part of this thing that had consumed me every waking minute of every hour and day and week and month and year with him? Who was I if I wasn't that girl? Um, and then three weeks later, COVID happened. Um, and it was a really traumatic moment for me because I had an accumulation of trauma that I hadn't dealt with, hadn't dealt with Joe, hadn't dealt with my identity and the loss of it. And then COVID happened and uh, the restaurant company was shuttered and 950 people were furloughed. And I wasn't used to the idea that it wasn't mine. And so I had this accumulation of trauma and we all have an ego. And my ego felt disrespected because I found out about that online. And I wasn't used to being, not being part of the company. And so it came as an utter shock to me and my ego felt really disrespected. And that was my triggering moment that caused me to be in a state that's clinically described as enraged. And it was a feeling that had never been in my body before. Um, I knew I needed help. I sought it. I sought psychotherapy. I'm not against it. It did not work for me. And so I thought, well, now it's COVID. Everything's shut down. Everything's online. I went online and I found a local organization. Uh, at the time, it was called St. A. Today, it's called WellPoint. And they have a train the trainer uh, certification in their trauma-informed care program. So I entered that and went through it. Um, I was the only non-PhD out of 13 of us in my class, so I felt a little disingenuous. But I became fascinated by the impact that our emotions have on our physiology, and I became a student of everything that I can put my hands on and just have done this incredibly deep dive into the neuroscience that is our body and our emotions and have taken that in a completely different path for myself and the work that I do today, and I would have never expected to do what I'm doing. It's been incredibly healing for me, and to have the opportunity to help other people is one of the things that I'm most grateful for from the Bartolotta restaurants. Um, I don't have that infrastructure anymore behind me, so I had to find a different way to give back. And so the way that I give back today is helping people understand themselves better. I call it emotional fluency. Emotional fluency. That is really beautiful. I don't think I've ever heard that, and it's so true. Our emotions are so fluid, and yet if we can understand that fluidity of it, and I don't want to say control it, but understand it, I would guess that that would help us to be more balanced. Mm -hmm. Fluid in two ways, which is why I chose to put the words together the way that I did. So fluency and flowing. We're 70% water-ish. We're meant to move like water. Water always finds a way. Water doesn't get scared and cling to the side. Water doesn't become paralyzed by a narrative that our brain or our egos created for us. Water just flows. We are meant to stay in that flow. And when we're not fluent and we don't have fluency, then we're creating essentially our own problems. We're far more in control than we, than we know we are. Um, it's not an acknowledgement. It's just we don't we lack the knowledge. And then the other way that I love the word fluency is to have a language around our emotions. It sounds it really sounds fascinating. And um, we're going to take a quick break. But 
<clears throat> I was just thinking that as I've dealt with clients over time, that the emotions that you felt with those three um, very impactful things happening to you are so similar to the emotions somebody feels through a divorce, mm -hmm. um, losing their job, being displaced, a death, of course. And so the things that you're talking about are, I guess I want to say, very common. Mm -hmm. And many people have to deal with these types of emotions or a, a, a difficult diagnosis. Yep. These are the things that are out there and they're not really talked about very much. No. No one no one no one gives us these these the language to talk about it. The average American adult can only um, identify three emotions happy, sad, or angry and or mad. And there are 80 plus that are identified emotions that we have and we experience over the course of our life. It's just not something that was ever, certainly when we were growing up, right? You know, yeah. stuff it, figure it out, keep moving. <clears throat> um, and when you start to look at the science and the impact that lack of awareness, lack of the ability to regulate, um, with my clients, I use colors. We use green, yellow, and red. Greens, I'm great. Bring it on. Yellows, I'm a little challenged today. Red is I'm having a really hard time. We don't even have that. You know, when you think about when you get in your car, turn your car on, it has a basic communication system that's incredibly effective. And if the car didn't have that communication system, every time you went out on the road, you'd be in an accident. So headlights, I'm out here. Tail lights, or I'm braking, don't hit me, right? I'm going to slow down. Left turn signal, I want to go faster. Right turn signal, I want to go slower. We don't even have that. We don't even have a basic way to tell people that we're off. And what happens when there's a void of information is that the person perceiving this, this in you, this, uh, you're off, right? Your body language is off today. And it's so hard to go towards someone in conversation. And I think it's even harder now than it's ever been before. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> we have this tendency, well, I can say I have a tendency to think, that's eh, not worth it, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just ignore it. And yet it's those conversations, it's that opportunity in a healthy way to be curious that is going to help us grow. And that so curious is my word. You know, I aspire to be more <laughs> curious every day. Uh, part of the work that I do is I'm an emotional fluency guide. I help people get in touch with themselves. And the acronym that I use to work us through the seven steps is CURIOUS. I love that. Let's take a quick break. And before that, though, when you're working with a client, and I mean, there's got to be a lot of hurdles that the client has to go through just in the idea of being that vulnerable to sit down with you and to talk about their emotions. It seems like it's one of the hardest things for people to talk about. And with that, we'll be right back.
Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group, and it's such a joy because I've been able to do this radio show for 34 years, and it has been such a joy for me because I am curious, and I do want to learn, and I want to grow. I want to give back. You know, I guess it is the whole thing, be the best that you can be type of a thing, but I get this opportunity to interview amazing people who share with me and share with you ways of being in life, ways of looking at your investments, way, ways of investing in yourself. And so today, Jennifer Bartolotta is here, and she shared with us um, very vulnerably the things that she went through, which I think when someone has the courage to share with you the difficulties that they had in reaching where they are today, I people can identify with that. And I know if you were listening earlier, you can identify with what Jennifer had to go through in order to get beyond loss. And that's really what it was. You had lots of losses in your life to confront. And so, Jennifer, how can my listeners figure out um, the way that and the reason that they should really pay attention to this and that they should be able to not only see themselves in your life because we have things that happen all the time, not nearly as dramatic and, and difficult as what you had, but there are challenges all the time that we have to think about getting through. How do people use the what you've learned in order to cope with that on a day-to-day basis? So I think the first thing is um, to not compare. Um, We can always find somebody who's worse off than we are. That does little to address what we're going through, though. And when we go through life, I don't believe that anybody gets through this place and out of here without uh, an accumulation of challenges. Um, in the clinical world, they're referred to as big T's and little T's. And yes, I had three what I would call big T's. Um, but things happen all the time to people all over, and they become the f- part of the fabric of who we are. Uh, you take a look at somebody, and you can go back, and there are a lot of family origin things that impact us. I was spanked. Um, and when you think about that, Um, is my dad a a bad man because he spanked me? No. My dad did what he knew to regulate my behavior, right? I misbehaved, and he did what he knew to address that. But when you think about spanking, um, there's little more that could be traumatic to a kid than not feeling safe at home. And spanking is one thing. There are kids who suffer all, I mean, horrific, unimaginable things at home that make them not feel safe. Um, But you see family of origin stuff that can impact us. You have little things that impact us, and they accumulate over time. And we, you know, when I was coming up in business, we used to say, you know, leave your personal stuff at the door. (laughs) It's just not possible. It's just simply not possible. And we are one person, and when we're not seen and we don't feel like we belong in a space, we can't be productive in that space. Um, And we had COVID. 
We had March of 2020. That's just like, you know, a benchmark for everybody. We know where we were. We would know what we were doing when we found out that our world was about to change in ways that we couldn't begin to even consider. We weren't in great shape before that. We were overworked. We were stressed. We were talking about the impact that social media and other things have on our behavior and have on ourselves. And then here comes COVID. And it wasn't bad for everybody. There are people that have emerged from the other side of it stronger and, and better. But for the vast majority of humanity, globally, it's not just in the US, we suffered. So last fall, two things came out that were fascinating. Gallup, the Gallup organization has been measuring employee engagement and the health of the workforce globally for decades. And they published their annual report on the state of the global workforce. They asked a single question that caught my attention. And it was, for most of the day yesterday, did you experience these emotions? And it wasn't a cumulative check. It was check all the boxes that applied to you. And the four things that caught my attention were, did you spend most of the day worrying yesterday? 44% of the people said they did. Worry is anxiety. Did you spend most of the day yesterday stressed? 40% of the people said yes, also anxiety. Sad, lonely, in the 20s, and flat out angry, similar. That's a lot to wrap That's your head a around. Lot. Wow, yes. And those are people in a workplace, right? Then about two weeks later, the U.S. Task Force on um, Preventative Health came out with a recommendation that every adult in the United States under the age of 65 be regularly screened for anxiety. Every adult. That's, and that's in, you can't even conceive that. No. And the challenge with that is, is what does the medical field do with that? There are simply not enough practitioners right now to deal with the problem. Um, I had a cardiologist who is a dear friend and he recently passed away, but I, I had the good fortune of being able to see him in January for my annual physical. And we spent about five minutes on my health and we spent 55 minutes catching up and kind of talking shop. And I said, I have a question for you. I said, I promise this isn't me. He said, but if I told you I needed to see a psychiatrist, he's like, oh, Jen, please tell me you don't. And I said, I don't, I swear, I'm curious for my work. I said, how long would it take you with all of your resources and all the pull that you have to get me in to see a psychiatrist that could help me? He said, oh, at least six months, probably closer to a year. And I said, and what about a good psychologist? He said, an easy six months. And so even when we know we need help and we want to go seek that help, it's not readily available to us. And which is why I love my work because I'm an outlet. I'm not a doctor. I don't aspire to be one. I, I don't pretend to be one. I am a person who is a student of emotion, and I want to help people work with theirs. Um, and then LinkedIn published a report earlier this year in January that said that they believe that up to 61% of the U.S. workforce will consider leaving their job this year. Wow. So there's no checking it at the door anymore. Well, when you talk about anyone listening to it, it's saying, did I tune into Karen's Money Sense show? <laughs> <laughs> 
It has a lot to do with money. It has a lot to do with um, if you are in business, if you own a business, if you are not able to work, and if you're not happy. I mean, that is costly. It's costly to everybody. Everybody. And it's not, it doesn't, it's not productive, right? If you have someone who is challenged emotionally, they're showing up trying to do the best they can. But if you have an environment that doesn't see the humanity in them, then they're not going to feel like they can bring their best self to work and they're not going to be as productive. And so, you know, at the end of the day, and, and I was a business owner, um, and so I understand that there's a cost to doing it, but there's also a cost to not addressing it. Um, it, it turnover is one of the most costly things that, an, that any employer faces. The, the cost of turnover can be a killer, especially if you're losing lots of people. If 61, I don't think that'll happen, right? I don't think LinkedIn thinks that happens. But based on searches, based on postings, based on LinkedIn algorithms, they believe that up to 61% of people think if it's who half, work, if it's half that, even many. half that, are going to think about leaving their job this year. Just the fact that they say that should be alarming to most business owners, right? Um, because that's more than half the population that's working. And there are ways to create belonging and connection at work um, that don't get into, in the restaurants we would have called it, getting into the weeds, that don't get into people's personal space while allowing them to come to work and having somebody see the humanity in them. And you're going to have a person who feels safer and when they feel safer, they feel like they belong and they feel connected. And then they can contribute at a level that is more in keeping with what's realistic as opposed to somebody who's coming into work afraid of what's going to happen when they come into work in the way that they are. Jen, let's take a, a quick break. And when we come back, let's look at it from two perspectives. We've got um, individuals that are listening to the show today, and they're going she's talking about me. I mean, I, I can identify with many of the things that she is saying. And then you've got the business owner who's listening and says, I wonder what the impact on my employees are. And I wonder how happy they are. And not necessarily even with work, but how happy are they within themselves? And is there anything that I might be able to provide or do, number one, to kind of check it out, and number two, just just to be that kind of a resource for my employees. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior Wealth Advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. My guest today is Jennifer Barlotta, and we certainly within Milwaukee and actually all over the country are very familiar with the Bartolotta family and the restaurants that she and her husband, Joe, um, continue to open and provide amazing services. And I would say that, that you have a good handle on what makes people happy because that was your business of providing happiness and good food and giving people a place where they could go and, and truly enjoy and be waited on, something that I love very much. And now you've transitioned your um, heart into another area of making ha people happy. 
and another area of providing something that is very special and very unique. And dealing with people's emotions, um, I think in many ways, is just like dealing with people's money, (laughs) like I do. (laughs) That's intimate. (laughs) And it's very emotional. And I do know that for me, even on the other side of the table, talking with you today is really helpful for me and my own businesses as I talk to people. And I think part of that is being able to identify maybe something that I can do when I'm talking to people is ask more questions that bring out um, more information. So I'm always talking to people about retirement, of course, a lot Mm -hmm. of people. There's a lot of emotion around retirement, and people have this idea of what it looks like. And very often after a year, they're unhappy, and it's like, is this all there is? But those are all huge emotions that people are going through, trying to figure out, just like you did, who am I after I've left my business or who am I after my spouse has passed away or something happens? So if you can give us a little bit of an idea for that person sitting in the audience that says, she's really talking about me, what do they do? How do you help them? What are the steps that they need to take? Sure. So um, what I do for a living today isn't accessible to individuals unless they would want to work with me as a fluency coach. Um, But that said, there are things that we can do. I'll give you three things that I think are really important. The first thing is paying really close attention to what we say to ourselves. So about five years ago, I went to a self-compassion retreat at a retreat center outside of Madison, and it was an eight-week-long course that the two facilitators crammed into two days. And I didn't know this when I signed up for it, but it was really geared for professionals. And at the end of day one, it was exhausting. The female facilitator said, is there any chance that your internal critic is your best friend? And in my mind, I'm saying, oh, Hell no, you should hear what she said to me this morning. So I let that sit, and I was with a couple friends. We went out to dinner, and then we all went back to the hotel early because we wanted to sleep. We had another big full day the next day. I go to sleep. I had set my alarm to get up early to walk because I knew I was going to sit in a chair all day. And at about 2.15, bar time in Madison, we're in a hotel across from the stadium, the, the employees were lovely, but the hotel left a little bit to be desired with. I swear the, the walls were made out of, like, <laughs> tissue paper. At 2.15, it sounded like an entire frat had moved into the room next to me. Now, I'm sure that's an overreach. It was probably only, like, 10 guys. But they were loud enough that there was not a chance that I was going to sleep. So I called down to the front desk, and I said, this isn't tenable for me. Here's why I'm here. Either they need to move or I need to move, and nothing happened. At 4 o'clock, I reset my alarm so it wasn't going to work out, and I finally fell asleep because I woke up to the alarm. And I no more than woke up, and here comes my internal critic. Should have gotten up. Should have gone for that walk. You're going to sit in that chair all day. Back's going to hurt. And I literally screamed out loud, if you are really my best friend, I don't like your tone, your timing, or the message, and you need to figure out how to come back at me. And I said, and I'll do my part. Instead of calling you my internal critic, I'll call you a neutral name, my internal voice. And I said, you know what? I'll do one better. I'm going to call you Ivy, <laughs> and I'm going to see that pretty green Ivy crawling up a Cream City brick wall with those little purple flowers on it so I won't resist you when you show up. That has changed my life. 
The next thing I think is, you know, it, there's a there's a there's so much science on the fact that our body is a vessel and a gift, and the reality is is that a lot of people know more about their cars and how to take care of their cars than they do about how to take care of their bodies, and the science is just. It's overwhelming about these five things. Sleep. We need seven hours of sleep every night. There's two reasons for it. The first reason is that over the course of the day, we accumulate a substance in our brain that's sticky called beta amyloid. It's gray. And when we sleep for at least seven hours, our brain has the opportunity to wash itself, literally cleanse itself of this beta amyloid. And what we know about Alzheimer's and dementia patients is that they have a greater propensity of beta amyloid in their brains than people who don't have dementia and Alzheimer's. Science. The other thing is, in this country, we go through the largest sleep study twice a year when we do time changes. So in the spring, when we move forward an hour, there will be as an average, 24% more heart attacks that show up in emergency room departments across the country than on days when we haven't had the time change. And so sleep is critical. If we're not resting our body, it can't renew itself. Time outside is the next thing. So most therapists will tell you that the strongest tool they've got in their box to give to their patients, but it's hard for people to do, is to get outside. And the recommendation is 30 minutes a day. When we stand in awe and wonder of nature, it heals us. It takes our brain away from the narrative that we're creating about everything else we have going on in our life. And it gives us peace and quiet and the opportunity to stand in awe. And gratitude. And gratitude. Um, I recently was given a hack by a friend who said, just do this. I was struggling in April a little bit. And my friend said, I've been doing this thing. I go outside every hour and I look up in the sky and just say thank you. And that little thing, as tiny as it is, helps. The next thing is exercise. The recommendation is 30 minutes every day of sustained aerobic activity. When we exercise, our cells have a a component called the mitochondria The mitochondria converts your food into energy, but it also is like releasing a veritable pharmacy into your bloodstream. And then the last thing is what we eat, how you refuel yourself. It's hard. You know, we are surrounded by fast food and all kinds of things that are highly addictive, sugar, um, all kinds of things, right, that are, are food vices that for my entire life have felt comforting to me. And now I understand the damage that I do when I don't replenish myself with what I need to show up in the manner in which I want to. So many people, and I'm guessing listeners, are bogged down by caregiving. Yep. And regardless of what what it is, and we forget to caregive to ourselves. Yep. And Particularly it's always last women. On the, last on the list. Last on the list. So it sounds like for my listeners that are out there that are individuals, the first step is to become aware 
of what they're doing. I often liken when I work with a client to going to the mall for the first time and on the directory there's a big arrow which says you are here. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and it's almost like going to that arrow and saying I am here. You know, where is my time being spent? How am I how am I allocating my energies to my life and to other people's lives? Yeah. You know, and I, I understand that um, some things feel like an escape, right? I'm, I'm guilty of doom scrolling on Instagram. I've been off Facebook for a while now, so I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn, and I, I will find myself when I just want to release or I need a break picking up my phone, and I am working really hard to not do that. Um, I, I, there's so much living I want to do. And there's always more that I can do to strengthen who I am so that I can be a light or a beacon for someone else. And I've always felt that I was a vessel that the universe used to get things done. You know, you mentioned MPS earlier. That was a magic carpet ride. The universe aligned all the stars. They put them in Milwaukee at a table at the same place in the same time. And literally magic happened. And I believe that I was put here in this time-space continuum to help people. And, and so in order to do that, I have to be good first. Mm-hmm. I have to be whole first. After Joe died, I had a, a plethora of what I call flesh angels, people who saw the humanity in me, who got me out of my head. And I'll never forget the first one. I was at Whole Foods on uh, Burley out here. And um, I, it was the first time I'd been out by myself since Joe died. And it was, a, it was super scary. So I'm in the produce department, and all of a sudden I, I hear, hi, in this really high, bright voice. And I look down, and there's this little peanut of a girl. She's probably three. And her mom comes rushing over and said, oh, my gosh, I've told her not to talk to strangers. I said, you know what? You can't even imagine how much I needed that right now. Now I'm crying, standing in the produce aisle, just bawling, right? And this little girl still looking up with me and smiling. I said, you know, I said, I'm sure I don't want to get in your parenting, but she's done nothing wrong. I said, in fact, quite the opposite. But I had this series of people who uh, showed up. Showed up. I had more than my fair share of flesh angels that helped me navigate through some really difficult periods, and I still today do to this day. You know, I'll be in a spot and just it'll be like this little flesh angel shows up and gets me back on track. And so that's such a gift. These these micro connections with other people can shift how they are. And I don't want to miss an opportunity to be able to provide some lightness, some love um, to perfect strangers in addition to those that I care about. Well, part of it, Jennifer, we'll take a quick break. Part of it is also pausing long enough to recognize them. I know in my life, too, and maybe it's just that we're seasoned, and as we've um, aged our own way and being able to impact younger people who are listening, is that sometimes we move so fast, we miss the opportunity, that moment in time that you can offer someone a hug or open the door or smile or do something that your soul tells you to do you have no reason to know why but they need it Mm -hmm. and you've been brought to that space if you take the time to notice it to be that angel that can change someone's life and you you don't need to know how you just listen just show up just listen to your heart 
and show up. And with that, we're going to take a break. Okay. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellen Becker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. My guest today is Jennifer Bartolotta, and she has been sharing with us her story and the impact that it's had on her and how she's now chosen a new journey. And when I think about people who retire, whether they've chosen that or whether it's been gifted to them <laughs> or pushed on them, um, there's a transition that people go through. And I've said it so often on the air, there's this great there's this great TED Talk, and it's the four stages of retirement. And the first one is kind of, boy, I can just do whatever I want. I don't have any structure. I don't have to listen to anybody. And then the second year, it's like, boy, this is boring. Is there anything, you know, is this all there is to retirement? And then that third stage is more about experimenting, how to find yourself, how to do the work as Jennifer's been talking about the work that she knew that she needed to do to show up in that fourth stage of life, which is really giving back. And the people, and I have to tell you, it's entrepreneurs have a, the highest rate of making the transition from the second stage to the third stage because their whole lives they've been thinking sort of out of the box in a way. But the people that move from that third stage to that fourth stage really turn out to be the happiest people in the world. They are so happy with where they are. They get back all those things that they gave up, that they think they gave up. And what you were talking about in your life was giving up kind of in, in a shadow of somebody else. So many of us are in shadows. But giving up that feeling of that's who I am. And you've now been able to, and you can't see her either. I can see her, and she is this happy. She's like this bright star who is um, so open and I think that's one of the challenges that we all have is when we walk into that space of being able to share those difficult parts of our lives, it is a freedom like there is no other. That's so well said. You could do what I do. Um, I am free from judgment. I simply will never know enough about anybody to judge what I see. And the freedom that just comes with that shutting down my brain so it's not creating a narrative over the confusing outlying behavior is been a freedom that was unknown to me. And there comes a certain freedom when you're willing, and it takes courage for sure. I feel compelled and compulsed to do this work, but it takes courage to share your story, especially publicly. Um, I found though that when I do that, I can connect. And what I want to do is connect with people. I want the relationships that matter to me to be really wide and really deep. And I want people that I am close to to know that no matter what it is, they can bring it to me and I can either just listen. I think that sometimes we just need someone to show up and just listen. And we haven't been trained to be good listeners. We haven't been trained to sit in the presence of great pain or great trauma. We're like little steam kettles. 
And if we don't let it out, sooner or later, much like water, breaking through a dam, the emotions that we've been suppressing because we're not flowing are going to find a way out. And the manifestation of those usually cause regret, sometimes a lot of pain, sometimes sorrow. When, when I think of myself as a business owner and some of the challenges that we have been through and what we've learned, connecting with our employees and making them part of who we are, not that they work for us, but they're a, a link of who we are, has changed so much for us. And some of the things that we do in our office to connect with each other, how, what would you recommend for my audience, for those business owners who are wondering, because you don't even know the questions to ask half the time, No. but you've now opened up a door that says, hey, wait a minute, there are some better things or there are some um, opportunities to grow your company organically through your employees rather than growing it outside and making your employees the apostles mm-hmm. of your business rather than checking out the minute they can. Or while they're there. Or while they're there. What, what would you recommend for an employer to consider or to connect with you and what would that look like? Sure. I, the first thing to do if you're interested in this and you don't already do them is an engagement survey. So get the data. We can't manage it if we can't measure it. So when we work with clients in my business, we start with, do you do an engagement survey? I have yet to have one tell me yes. Um, and that's okay. It's not a bad thing that you don't do them, but it's a starting point. And they can be big and fancy and super expensive, or they can be free. So the Gallup organization 30 years ago published what they called the Q10 at the time, which were 10 questions that they felt were most important to gauge employee engagement in the workspace. Several years ago, they added two more, so now it's the Gallup Q12. It is free. It's online. You can grab the 12 questions, put them into a survey monkey, and I would recommend that you do it anonymous, except you leave a space at the bottom of it to say, if you'd like to be contacted, we're happy to do that, but you're going to need to give us your name in order for us to do that because it's anonymous. And you send it out and you ask them to, to judge the answer those 12 questions, and you see where you are. And that's a starting place. For me, we do work more than we do anything else. If you were, if you are in a traditional job in the United States that you are working in a corporate environment from 8 to 5, Monday through Friday. Um, and so those connections at work are really important. Feeling like you belong at work is really important. You know, you, we hear people talking about DE&I, and now I believe, as does my partner and one of the ventures that I do in my work, that one day it will be DEI and B, belonging. That until people feel like they belong, they're not going to feel safe. And they're not going to feel like they can contribute, and, and they'll always be second-guessing whether or not I should raise my hand. We've all sat in a room, we had an idea, and we didn't raise our hand. And then five minutes later, somebody said our idea, but not as well as we did. And we were kicking ourselves under the table because we didn't have the confidence, because we didn't feel strong, we didn't feel safe, we didn't feel like we belong, to raise our hand and to contribute. And so find out where you are. 
and then assess what you might want to do about it. Take a look at turnover lately. Take a look at productivity. Um, I, I offer three different things right now. I have a beautiful partnership with Nuwaki, and we engage a tool, a new company that they develop called Rivet, which creates uh, intentional friendships at work because we know that belonging is so important. And we developed what we call the Belonging Project. So it's a four-month-long project. We did a four-month project last year at St. Luke's and at Sinai, both with the chief nursing officers and their leadership teams. And I do my emotional fluency training, and then we go back at a cadence of every two or three weeks for six more sessions, and it's integration. It's one thing to go through training, but it's another entirely to figure out how we're going to make it work in the environment that you work in. Jennifer, can you give us your phone numbers and how people can connect with you? We're just about out of time. You no and I problem. could talk for a very long time. <laughs> sure. Uh, you can find me on my website, Bartolotta and Associates, and you can reach me at 414-688-9359. And Kieran, I would just like to thank you. Anytime I have an opportunity, you never know where these things go. You never know who needs to hear it, that hears it at exactly the right moment, and it shifts their lives. So to have the opportunity to put it out there uh, with the thought that maybe it will help somebody and find its way to the person that needs it, it makes me happy. So I thank you for this opportunity. God will have exactly the right people out there. And I've got to close the show. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a great day. Bye-bye.